Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, citizens of Earth. Welcome, humans. I'm here to tell you that the future of your planet is at stake. We have to ask you to try to stay calm, and it's important for everyone not to panic. I am authorized to assure you that so far there is no reasonable cause for alarm. We have come to visit you in peace and with goodwill. We work for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. We are the men in black. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. It's awesome, baby! What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? This is Coach Tyre, and you are now rocking with the best. This is Original Native Radio, and this is the Tower of Tantra Thursdays. Each and every Thursday night, welcome to the Tower of Tantra, episode number 24. With my gunshots. Yes, yes, yes. We've been going at it right now, real heavy, six-plus months in a row, and we're loving every minute of it. This episode is brought to you by our special sponsors, RelaxationIsTheKey.com and OriginalNativeRadio.com. You can check us out at CoachKair.com. You can also check out our proud sponsor, MasterYao.com. Big shout out to everybody in the International Grand Triangle group on Facebook. What's happening? It's awesome, baby! Last week, we really had a great show, and I can tell by the numbers that a lot of people are tuning in to Zoom in each and every week. We appreciate it. Um, I mean, it's just amazing to me how many people come in each and every week to say, we want to get some more of the Tower of Tantra. And I just want to say on behalf of Coach Kyer and Original Native Radio that we're going to just, we, I mean, we just, what is it, pleasingly plump, happy or something like that. There's a, there's a phrase that people use where they got all the peas in it and stuff like that. But um, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because without you all, we would not be here. Uh, big shout-outs to... OrganiteGetsYouRight.com tonight. Big shouts out to the whole uh, Progressive Love Juju Mama family. Big shouts out to to Seeley's over on in the West End in the ATL. And big shouts out to the I Am Ascension Temple as well. Um, I have started some Qigong, Tai Chi, and Goddess self-protection classes on Wednesdays and Friday nights, 7 o'clock. Please join us each and every Wednesday. Well, yeah, for the rest of the month and probably January as well. We're testing out the market, seeing what's going on. Um, I'm giving up some of that white crane, Tai Chi, and Qigong's. You can only get it here, baby. Where you see Coach Kair, I bring the white crane with me. We just fly away. Uh, One of the most excellent systems of Qigong's to enhance enhancing your sexual energy, your respiratory system, your immune system, as well as your circulatory system. And if you are interested in the science of Tantra and managing your energy and you want to raise up that Kundalini and get your power up, there's no better way than some white crane, Tai Chi, and Qigong's. 
So please check me out. You can go over to relaxationisthekey.com, check out the flyer, all the information, or any kind of contact or questions, please get in contact with me, 910-375-WELL, 910-375-WELL. Well, let's go ahead and get this uh, show started. I cannot do it by myself. We've been tag-teaming it up, 24 shows now, well over six months. And I got to go ahead and bring in my, the man with the plan, man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, author of various books, uh, Oracles of Kim Say New, Natural Blueprint for Relationships, Awakening the Master Feminine, and then probably a couple other more he has up his sleeve. Y'all get put it together for my main man, Master Y'all Morris. Good evening, y'all. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Good evening, good evening, and thank you. Hey, we've been having a great week uh, ever since last week's broadcast, y'all. How's everything going on your end? It's been a tough week this week. I've been getting some good uh, uh, reach-outs and shout-outs from some of my peeps, and uh, they've been uh, telling me to keep my head up and all that, that kind of stuff. Um a lot of administrative challenges this week with all the new programs and stuff we've got coming down the pike. Uh, Whenever you try to change, you run into challenges, it seems, and I'm having my share of them this week. Nonetheless, it's all for good. It's good good stuff. It's for good changes, so we're welcoming that. Well, you just got to navigate this Mercury retrograde. You only got it to the 15th before it's over. So. Why don't Mercury stop going retrograde? What's the problem here? Why can't we just get Mercury to just go direct and stay that way? What the heck is that? What's, what's up with the planets like that? I mean, she what do I have to do? She got a pattern. What do I have to do to get Mercury to stop messing around like that? Like what I tell people is um, I explain it to people like a woman I'm I'm not one to have sex with a woman when she's on her menstrual. So they say, well, what can I do about her menstrual cycle? Wait it out. But that's what you got to do when Mercury and retrograde comes. You can't do nothing but wait it out. To, you trying to tell me I don't have enough juice to get Mercury to go straight all the time? I I got to keep putting up with this every four or five weeks? No, it's, it's only three times a year. It's only three times a year. So the thing is, you get all the good nookie in between the retrogrades. You got to get all the good nookie and schedule in between hurricanes. That's it. You don't go out to the, you don't go out to sea during the hurricane. You know now that's not that's not the big thing. So you know that's that's it. And so um, we're in the shadow period of Mercury being in retrograde. Um, you being a Scorpio, Saturn is going through Saturn is going through Scorpio for the next two and a half years. So for you, it's been like a double up. So I'm just over here smiling now. When you was like, man, I'm going through my challenges. What in the hell? I was like, yeah, after that damn Saturn-Mercury combination on his ass is like Ric Flair and um, the Nikita Koloff brothers and whatnot. But they got to get tired, too. They got to get tired, too. So um, just try to just, like, you know, do a little delay and get your nails done, go to the spa or something, work on some writing because um, back up all your computers. Um, I just had a couple of people um, have been experiencing these things, and especially, like, that's, that's, that's funny, like, because maybe we could talk about 
practicing Tantra under a Mercury retrograde, you know, because communications and the counterfeit personality, well, see, communications is always tested. Anything administrative got to do with packages or deliveries or things happening on time are all up under the jurisdiction of Mercury the trickster. And so he's got his time to shine until December the 15th. So I just look at it like the Mayans warned us. Like everybody thought it was going to happen on one day, December the 21st, 2012, where things have been going on since June the 8th, and I'm having the ball watching it. And, um, you know, it's going to settle out, and it's going to be fabulous. Uh, your program has weathered the test of time, and they want you to get all your I's dotted and all your T's crossed so they're really not delaying you. They're just giving you opportunities to make sure you got all your stuff straight before you uh, pull that Bentley out of the garage and put it on the highway. Well, that brings us a good segue into our topic for tonight. I have an extra juicy special topic for the boys and girls tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I went and I interrupted the bill. In the middle of the night, <laughs> I shook him. I said, look, stop looking at the pictures of naked girls and listen here. We need a really good topic for a Thursday night. I said, you know, put your thinking cap on. And so Mr. Bill went into the archives, and he came back and handed me the, doc- the document with the stamp on it, the red stamp, you know. And I read it. I was like, Mr. Bill, you're all right. You're all right. I don't care what anybody says. And so exactly what I want to talk about tonight is, What's been happening to people, not only in the classes, but before the classes, going back into the 90s, what's been happening to people after they change paths, after they shift, after they, um, you know, start to walk another way? And I'm not tonight going to be talking about their spiritual track. In other words, how their spiritual life changed, how they became more enlightened, or how they healed. I want to talk about something much simpler, something much uh, more straightforward. I want to talk about how people found new ways to experience pleasure in an old paradigm. So um, tonight we're going to talk about sucking toes. Oh, damn. I'm in the right place tonight, buddy. I am in the right place tonight. Hold on. Where is my, I'm bringing out the dry erase board on this one. Where is my damn? You caught me all by surprise. You caught me all by surprise right now. Yeah, I got to bring the dry erase board so I can draw some diagrams. I'm drawing diagrams on this one, buddy. We're going to need some new sound effects before the night's over. <laughs> we need some kind of squishy noise. Let me go work on that. You go ahead and work on that. Let me go work on that right there. New sound effect. Got a new squishy noise or something. So we were doing a a thing on Facebook, going back and forth on two or three different sites, the Grand Shrine site being one of them, and I was lured into a couple of other sites by torrent comments or whatever. And and one person was saying that uh, you know <clears throat> they were on uh, you know dealing with some stuff and. The next thing they know, they had a positive experience out of a negative experience and all this, that, and the other. And uh, I remember getting a call last week about uh, a comment that I made about sex toys. And, um, you know, I, the comment, I made the comment very innocently, uh, the fact that I'd gone to a conference this summer 
And when I was at the conference, you know, it was a women's conference. And so when I was at the conference, they had a bunch of vendors downstairs. And the vendors had, uh, they were selling sex toys at one table. In fact, there was two tables stuck together. And these were all men, men selling sex toys to women. And they had the tables covered with sex toys. And you couldn't get near the table because it was mobbed with women the whole time I was there during the breaks anyway. And down at the other end was the uh, table. They were selling cupcakes. Now, I don't know what they put in these cupcakes, but during it, they must have been good because they was like they, they just they, the people would come in there when they had a break, mob, buy all the cupcakes, take the cupcakes out, and there would be empty shells and trays up in there. And I'd be like, Dag, I feel sorry for these people selling these cupcakes. They're going to get hurt. And then I come back, the trays were filled with cupcakes again. I think they had a big tractor trailer truck out back loaded down with cupcakes. And every time, you know, we went back into the classes and the stuff, they loaded these tables back up. And then, you know, they got their armor on and everything for the next time the women came back out there again and started slamming them and snatching up the cupcakes. So I was like, Dad, what is going on with the cupcakes and the sex toys? So somebody made the comment about, you know, that I was, I was hating on sex toys and cupcakes, and I'm like, no, not really. That's not what I was really, you know, how I was really feeling that. So it made me go back, and me and Mr. Bill were thinking about old times and what some of the stories are of people who have been going through the class and all of a sudden discovered new ways of experiencing old pleasures. One of the funniest conversations I had was a man who never had his toes sucked, and he was like, you know, not a very sexual man. He was a military guy, uh, you know, veteran of the military for 20 years, uh, a man's man, you know, deep voice, liked to, he was rather forceful with his personality. He was basically psychopathic. That was his counterfeit personality. He was a control guy. He didn't like to make noises in the bedroom, you know, not him or his woman. He liked sex to be clean, get it done 15 minutes, get it over with, you know, minimal fluids, and let's go to bed. And so finally he got to a point where he was ready to experience a little bit more. He was, you know, recently divorced. He came to the class and everything. And he basically said, you know, well, you know, y'all talking all of this tantra mess. This was before the Grand Triumph classes back in the two, early 2000s. And he was like, yeah, but I'm not really feeling the tantra vibe and this, that, and the other. I don't think that's going to do anything for me. And I really don't think, you know, that, that I can feel all this stuff you guys are talking about. Make a long story short. We put him through some paces and did a few exercises and things, and uh, he did this one particular meditation. And when he finished, after two or three weeks, he said, I don't feel anything different. (laughs) So he went back, you know, hooked up with this young lady, and he said it happened real strange, and he doesn't know what possessed him to hook up with her. She was not the kind of woman he normally hooked up with. And he said she was, you know, uh, she was strange. She didn't understand his attraction to her, but he was drawn to her, and she drawn to him in this in this kind of way that just was not normal. And then he said that, you know, she undressed him, blindfolded him, and put him on the bed, and instead of laying on top of him as he was expecting, he's sitting there with his arms open, she went down to the bottom of the bed and grabbed one of his feet. And she said this woman did something to his toes and his foot. She was a reflexologist. 
and he said he was hollering and screaming like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he said when he finally when he finally got to the point of sex, he was disappointed because he wanted her to keep messing and sucking on his toes. <laughs> When he finally got to the point of sex, he had the biggest, most explosive orgasm he ever had. He thought the top of his head was coming off. And he called me up and he said, the next morning I realized that it wasn't the fact that she had done that. He said, I realized that I had changed and I had manifested that. He said, I always had the ability to experience that. I just was never open. I was shut down. I was never allowing myself to feel those kind of things. I had never opened up those gates. I never opened up those possibilities. My energy field was shut down. And after I did the work and opened up my energy field, I began to experience things that were always there. But you don't know if you don't do it. If you don't do it, you don't know it's there. So you walk around saying to people like me, you're full of crap. Or S, that S word, you know. Uh, the opposite of, of bull, I mean of cow, you know, the cow thing, you know, y'all guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so he was like giving me this testimony, and I said, well, you know, so what does this mean to you in your life? And I said to him some very profound words. This can be transferred to every moment of your life. The samurai have a saying, you know, that you should experience the full breath in every breath. You should experience full life in every breath. In other words, get get involved, be present in life. And many other people, many other cultures talk about this same phenomenon, that you have to be present. And he finally understood the concept of being present. And it changed his life more than the rest of the course. Uh, the, the conversation about the sex toys reminded me of these types of things that happen to people after they go through the, the, the concept of being awakened sexually through Tantra. One young lady was, uh, and this, this case was in the book, The Natural Blueprint, so some of you who read the book will, will remember this case. And it's a true case. young lady I was coaching, you know, was having trouble with orgasm, and what she used to do would pit me off was she used to, you know, she was masochistic personality structure. Most of them have trouble with the orgasm thing. That's okay. She was slightly overweight, maybe maybe 15, 20 pounds. So when I say slightly overweight, some men would say she was perfect. She was heavy-chested, heavy-butted, and some men would have said, no, don't take it just like that. Anyway, so she used to get off the train one stop early. She, this was in... She lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. So some of you know that's a long time ago. Anyway, she used to get off one stop early and walk 13, 14 blocks to where her car was parked, which caused her to walk by a construction site and some other places that were highly trafficked with men. And she would wear, she'd take her shirt, her sweater off to reveal her cleavage or whatever, tie it around, or she'd wear something tight. So... When she got off the subway and she started walking, she would put that walk on and everything, and she would look at the glass. You know how women do. They look at the mirror to see who's looking at them. They look across the street in the glass and whatever. Or when they're walking, they're always looking for glass so they can see who's behind them and who's looking at them. So 
So that's what she was doing. And, of course, the men were checking her out because she had nice curves. She went through the program, or what not the Grand Trine program, but at that time she went through something that I was doing with people involved with the coaching. And as a consequence of that, she lost 20 pounds. At 20 pounds, she was very, very shapely. Let's just put it that way. And on her walks, she was starting to draw a crowd. By the time she would get to the garage where her car was parked, she was sweating, aroused, and wet downstairs. So I said to her, how is it that you can get so aroused just walking down the street as long as men are looking at you, but you can't get aroused in the bedroom with some man that you're attracted to? Mystery. Mystery. Great mystery. Basically, it had to do with the same thing that the, the military man. We're stuck in this box. We believe what we believe. We've never really let ourselves get loose. We've never really allowed ourselves to experience things being fully present, allowing pleasure, the energy to flow through us. We've always been caught up in our counterfeit self or the Amazon woman or the counterfeit man or whatever you want to call them. And as we begin to awaken our male energy, to awaken our female energy, we begin to experience things like we haven't experienced them before. And and basically this is what happened to her. She had to basically get out of her counterfeit thing. And, and to do that, she had to confront this issue that she always had to confront. And that issue is, you know, I know I'm attractive. I know men are attracted to me, and so I play this game. But I never really allow myself to seduce a man, and I never really allow men to have their way with me because if they do, then it's too much power for them, and I'm afraid of what will happen for me. So her assignment was to seduce a man, not the man that she normally was interested in, but someone who was very attracted to her, someone who, whose tongue was hanging out, one of these brothers that would be like, you know, uh, would start stammering when she came to the water fountain and start, can I get coffee for you, this, that, and the other. Some, some brother who was very, who would lose control when he saw her. And so her job was to, to seduce one of these brothers and really just put it on him and make and you know make him do all of this stuff, give him more pleasure than he could handle, and to allow herself to experience the experience completely and not go back. And, and as the, those of you who read the book know, when she finally agreed to do this, and at first she wouldn't, when she finally agreed to do this, because the man was so caught up with her, so enamored of her, he had so much energy directed toward her, as soon as she started the act, she burst into orgasm. And so now her job was to seduce him, but as a consequence of him reacting so strongly to her and being so turned on by her, when she was giving the pleasure, she started to receive the pleasure, and she couldn't stop orgasm. So that cured her of her orgasm scenario, and she found out that in the act of letting go the restraints and simply giving pleasure, simply having the intention of giving pleasure, that she opened herself up. And what, what it turned out was she was the opposite of what she thought. She was not conservative. She was not hard to please. She was not difficult to orgasm at all. And, and, and I knew this by understanding what was happening to her as she's walking down the street. If you can get excited just watching men watching you, 
then I know what's going to happen in the bedroom when we open up. And so it turned out that she was, you know, very capable of high levels of orgasm. Back to the sex toys. There's a particular thing that Sharper Image makes. And uh, when you go into the Sharper Image stores 10, 15 years ago, you used to see this double-studded thing that they made. It was a massage thing. It used to vibrate. You had a dial on the thing. had a little short handle to it. And this thing used to vibrate in in a pulsating synchronization uh, uh, a synchronous, synchronous rhythm. In other words, one side would pulse, then the opposite side would pulse. And, and you could set the frequency of this thing. So I knew a little thing about frequencies. It would not take most of the frequencies I tried to set. But one of the frequencies it did, and I would put it on this frequency, and when women would come into my house, I would just turn it on. It made this funny noise, you know. <laughs> It was really funny. And so once I got, you know, uh, chasing women around the house with this thing, but it was like the best thing because you could put it on somebody behind somebody's knee, and if you did the right uh, tantra moves, she'd be, you know, she'd be gushing in about 15 minutes. But, of course, women had to be open to it. So the sex toys thing, if women are shut down, sex toys, they can use it and they might get a little reaction to it. But the sex toy thing takes on another um, <clears throat> avenue if the woman opens up or if the man opens up. And then the sex toy is used as something to open up a particular meridian, open up a particular vibration, and it's not the climactic scenario. It's simply one step in a long, drawn-out process. And so you can change the frequency of it, you can use it, and you this just becomes something that it's just one more thing that you do that's like, you know, forbidden fruit or something that she's never done it this way or this that or the other. It becomes one more thing that you use in your arsenal of getting out of the box. And so if you use sex toys and you're not opened up and you haven't awakened your male energy or your female energy, it's just a sex toy. That's it. But once you begin to practice Tantra, sex toys become something totally different, and your experience and your reaction to them totally different. Same thing with talking sexy. When you're pre-Tantra, you call it talking dirty. But after you uh, take Tantra, you call it talking sexy. And so a lot of people have these fantasies and whatever, and I say to them, well, you know, don't, don't necessarily take, take, take fantasy as something that's bad or that, you know, the key thing about fantasy is before Tantra, it's, that's what it is. It's a fantasy. It's never going to happen to you. It's something you dream about. But after you study Tantra, it's no longer a real fantasy because it can, in fact, come true. And so you begin thinking about it in a different way. You don't think about it as a fantasy, as a dream anymore. You think about it as a fantasy in terms of a scenario you would like to be in and a scenario you want to manifest. And you think about a fantasy as not a selfish individual phenomena. You think about a two-way fantasy. In other words, you're having your fantasy 
and your opposite-sex partner is having their fantasy at the same time rolled into one. The key is you don't think of a fantasy as something that can't happen to you normally. Just the opposite. You think that fantasies are always going to be happening to you. That's the key. And then through Tantra, you understand the mechanisms for making your fantasies reality. What most couples need in the beginning is some kind of a role play situation to help them bridge their conservative old style of doing things and to make that jump into a situation where they venture into the unknown and venture into a role, a sexual role that normally they would shy away from or normally they would find embarrassing or whatever. You know, I, I, uh, the, 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 the lady who dresses up as her husband, you know, as, as cops, uh, uh, the, the preacher costume and the prostitute costume, you know, however you want to do or you, you go on a date where you, you know, you, you, you leave and you come back home as if you don't live there and the person is in the bedroom and you break in and, you know, act like you're there or you're the maid coming into the hotel. Whatever the thing is, you play the role play and it sort of gives you permission to be unorthodox. So with this, with, with Tantra, because you have these new skills and this new sense and this new energy, it brings another possibility to the table so that by projecting the energy to your partner as you're doing these role play situations, you do indeed get a new feeling, whereas perhaps the man was not very turned on before when you dressed up like a nurse, you know, maybe now he is. And so what was maybe just a moderately entertaining uh, scenario before becomes very, very, very risque now because you brought a new element to it, a new element to it, a new attitude to it, and that new attitude is being present, being present, being completely present. And through Tantra, having awakened your male energy or your female energy to another level. So we, we have these, these, these very simple and sometimes humorous examples of sex toys and sucking toes and talking sexy or talking dirty or hard talking and how people have gone through the program and what they used to do was walk down the street and have men admire them as they're walking sexy and they know that the men are walking behind them, looking at them, warning them, wanting to do something, wanting to meet them, and imagining what would happen if, if this man did follow them into the parking lot and whatever, and taking that and changing that into a dynamic where you do meet the man, where you do go on a, a date or whatever, and where you do follow through and live out the fantasy. Where, you know, whereas before you just aren't that excited by women as a man and you just aren't that willing to allow them to experiment and then you cross the boundary into a place where the woman starts to attack a part of your body you never thought was erogenous before, only to find out, well, oh, yeah, it is. And so these are some of the things that happen when we awaken 
our master feminine energy through Tantra, when we awaken our master masculine energy through Tantra, and then we find that there is even another level above that. And to get to that level, we broach a subject dealing with brain dendrite patterns and aphrodisiacs. And when I talk about aphrodisiacs, I'm talking about the neurochemical kind. The neurochemical kind. And in the, the level two and three classes, we touch on the subject. Tonight, we're just going to give you a little teaser about what happens to neurochemicals after you open up the kidney meridians, after you open up the liver meridians, after you open up certain ganglia connected to the testicles or to the gonads, to the ovaries. What happens to the receptor cells in the brain that are the dopamine receptors? And what what aphrodisiacs do, what they really do, what they what 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 really what really happens and how tantra energy affects that. So before we get to that, let's take a break, see if we got some people wanting to discuss some of these juicy topics we're talking about, the sucking toes uh episode tonight. Kaya, I'm gonna throw this back at you and see if you want to comment on this. I know you've probably got a sucking toe story of your own to tell, and uh, as most people out there do. <laughs> Being present is fun. Yes, sir, Coach. The first thing I want to say is I want to welcome Mr. Bill to the show tonight, and I want to say how much I appreciate him for showing up in full attire and that he is welcome anytime. Anytime I can appreciate me and Mr. Bill, we have so many similarities. So I just wanted to just acknowledge him, you know, because all men, you know, we want to be acknowledged, ladies. So sometimes we want to be acknowledged by our peers, and Mr. Bill is definitely, definitely one of my, one of my, uh, one of my peers. You know, uh, my my Mr. Bill, his name, his name ain't Mr. Bill. You know, he 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 has a couple of other titles. Um, I guess tonight we may call them Carolina Sexy. And um, having these um, new uh, new experiences, and, I mean, he must be just channeling down because I totally am, uh, have no problem with the whole uh, toe-sucking episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> no problem with that whatsoever. Um no problem experiencing new things, you know, some um old some old techniques in a in a new way. Uh I think that people should be more, you know, well, I know people say, You're so opinionated. Well, I'm just telling you what's good in life. That's I'm just like Reverend Knight. Reverend Knight says all I teach is how to get the good things out of life. <laughs> and that's and that's all that's all I'm about. And to me this 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 whole this whole topic tonight about finding uh new pleasure in in old techniques is just 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 mind blowing like I don't know really which one maybe you should have called me and prepped me a little more to see which one I want to pull out the closet I guess maybe because I, I don't know who's listening. I don't know 
know who's listening, so I don't know what kind of permission I got <laughs> to say certain things, you know. But um, I have um, definitely enjoyed some 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 new experiences from some same old moves, you know, where before I would be like, but this move or this particular position is um, um, something that, you know, I might have been doing for a couple of years now. But then after after my um, introduction to the science of Tantra, the pleasure meter, let's just say the pleasure meter, went from, you know, when you're young, the pleasure meter, everything's on 10. When you're young, then you do it for a while, and then, you, you know, you hit your 30s or whatever or late 20s, and then it may drop down to a 6. But then once that Tantra comes back in, that pleasure meter loves to damn bust through the top. 10, 11, 12, pow, your mercury's all over the ground now. <laughs> you know, the barometer is just uh, uh, totally different. Um, I don't know. You might have to catch me on the next break on that one. If anybody has um, a toe-sucking or a cupcake or, 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 or a toy story that they would like to, oh, man, I might have a toy story, something, something to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just... <laughs> Because, because, man, hold on, let me get a phone number out. Let me get a phone number out. 347-205-9089. 347-205-9089. If, if you got a story that you want to uh, that you want to share, don't use your name. I won't ask you for your name. I'll just see your um, phone number, and I'll just, matter of fact, I'll just, I, I won't even let them know what city, well, dang on, people know each other, I don't care, I'm going to just use the last four digits tonight, so I'm not even going to tell them what city you're calling in from, and you can just identify yourself as Mr. or Mrs. whoever, you can say I'm Mrs. Kitty Cat or Mr. Mister Rufus or however you want to do it, but the awareness of that particular pleasure principle when adding toys to the to the equation, I do remember I would have to say um a nice nice sweet Taurus young lady you know I'm into the zodiac and um very very earthy um very um i you know i'm I'm not ashamed of a full figure of women I just like to say the word thick you know and there's a range um and she had, um, I guess maybe you know sometimes when you're having a, a, a elongated session, you have a little halftime or you know maybe just maybe a little thirty second break where you're just moving from one place to another, and she reached over to the uh, to the drawer because all women, men, if you don't know this, I'm snitching on the ladies tonight. All women have their toys within arm's reach of the bed. All of them do. You don't know about those drawers or dresses on the side or underneath the pillow. You don't know how close it is. Now, it may be, it's not going to be where you can just find it easily, but she's going to be able to get to it, and she may have it inside of a bag, inside of a bag, or something like that, or maybe inside of a, a big old pocketbook. They know men don't want to go into the pocketbooks. And... um she went in and she just she just laid her she just laid her wares out and um you know gave a brother gave a brother the selection choices you know to make on his own and the 
the fun category and, you know, your ingenuity just changes, you know, because you really want to um, get down and the energy projection along with the toy changes the whole game, y'all. I'm sure you know this. I know Mr. Bill knows. It just changes the whole game. It changes the um, the toe curling effect, the toe curling barometer, um, and it definitely is changing the pleasure principle on what the sisters are more susceptible to do where even in the aftermath, the conversation is like, ah, oh, my goodness, I really wanted this, that, and the third. And she may go into confessions, and you say, my Lord, when did you have all these particular feelings? And she say, well, I've been feeling that way. It's like the um, brother said he wanted the woman to go back to sucking his toes. Well, that was just a confession that was always inside of him. He was just unaware of it, and she had unlocked the vault for him to come out there and, you know, kind of spill the beans. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I really um, – I'm really uh, glad that you brought up that particular topic, and um, but I I don't want to stray off the you know st- stray off the topic of where we're at and getting into my All stories. Right. I'm gonna turn it I'm gonna turn I'm, it back I'm, over to you. I'm gonna start out by giving out the number again: three four seven two zero five nine zero eight nine. Call in and tell us your toe sucking story. We'll keep it private or to some as much as we can. And, uh, you know, Kaya is going to keep you on the down low. <laughs> so now, okay, get your pens and paper. I'm going to give you some tips. We always try to drop a little knowledge on you, you know. So it's nice if you got a toe sucker story, but let me just give you a little bit of the science behind what makes this so nice. Now, of course, the thing that makes for work is the energy. We're amping up the energy. And this energy is, is going, is, we're rerouting it. So when you're talking about this whole piece here, we are still dealing with the same five senses. We're dealing with taste, smell, touch, sight, and hearing. And what you want to do with taste, smell, touch, sight, and hearing, you want to amp them up by sending energy into particular meridians. And then you want to connect You want to connect these five senses, taste, smell, touch, sight, and hearing, to the dopamine receptors in your brain. Now, if if you don't know what the dopamine receptors are, Google it, damn it, and stop complaining. That was Mr. Bill. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Let me try to get control again. All right, now. So if you uh, Google dopamine receptors or go to the American Medicine, to the Journal of American Medicine and go back and look up the subject dopamine receptors and look at all the articles published in the last 10 years or uh, go to Johns Hopkins Research Center on, online and, 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 and key in the words, keywords, dopamine receptors and read everything about that. Anyway, so uh, aphrodisiacs, are connectors. What they do is they connect the endocrine system to the brain neurochemistry. In other words, they are like little cross connectors. That's what they are. So um, aphrodisiacs connect the brain pattern of, of, of something in your brain, 
that is visual, that is imagination, to something in your brain receptors that deals with, it, it interprets this thing as pleasure. So we're not trying to get too too technical on it, but we want to drop a little science on you. So when you're talking sexuality and you're talking about routing energy, you're talking about the reflexology zones in the body. What do we mean? We say that if you're trying to amp up a feeling, then you have to, or you don't have to, but the way that you want to do that is by activating the reflexology centers. So now, this woman who was sucking on the toes, what she probably did, and I wasn't there, wasn't there. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm betting you that before she started sucking on that toe, she, did, she hit some reflexology points, and she connected that foot reflexology map to, you know, the brain, to the, to the brain, to the via the main reflexology center and the genitals. So you've got four reflexology centers, the head, and when we're talking about the head and we're talking about sex, you can deal with the ears, lips, nose, eyes, uh, whatever, top of the head. The whole thing is one big reflexology center. Then, of course, the genitals, I don't have to tell you what those are, the, the vagina, the anus, the penis, whatever. Uh, the breast, of course, connected to that. Then you're talking about the hands and the feet, hands and feet. So you can be touching, you can start with any of these reflexology centers and you, you hit the right points and connect it. You wake it up connected to the, to the uh, genital center and boom, and that's connected to the brain and to the brain dopamine. And then what you want to do is you want to bring to mind before you allow the dopamine receptors to hit, you want to bring to mind some experience that's connected to these things that the subconscious mind interprets as sensual, sexual, or erotic. So if uh <clears throat> give you an example, when I was very young, I had this memory when I was about five or six of coming home on a cold night in an old car we got home late, and all I remember is my daddy waking me up, and I woke up briefly. I don't remember. All I remember is that it was really cold, and they were, we had just arrived home, and they were taking me out of the car. And then I remember my mommy getting me inside and wrapping me in a very warm blue blanket. And she laid me someplace because the, the house wasn't ready for us yet. And so uh, it was cold. I was awakened after we after we took this long trip, and my mom wrapped me very very well in this really warm blanket and set me someplace. And this blanket was like really really warm and it was really tight. And all I know is just I felt very 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 taken care of, and I just felt very warm and it was just very comforting after the coldness. And so then later on I remembered waking up again because I was being moved and the fire in the wood stove was burning warm, and they moved me from where I was, and I remembered my eyes barely open, looking at the red fire in the stove and feeling the heat and thinking, I don't want to wake up. I just want to be here in this warm blanket with the warm fire 
and this and, and everything was like perfect. So I was cool. And so later on in life, I remember when I would think about that, connect when I connected that thought to activities, it had a sexual feeling for me. It had a feeling of security. It had a feeling of being sensually surrounded by comfort. So when you are trying to deal with what we call an aphrodisiac, you need to know something about that person that allows you to connect to their subconscious feelings of pleasure and arousal. Now, and each of the five counterfeit personalities has a different profile for this. So let's just give you some, some tips. For instance, we can talk about such things as dance. And dance has to do with touch and with sound, with hearing, smell, drinks. And with drinks, what you're doing, again, you're dealing with taste. Because what you're doing is you're putting a particular vibration on the tongue and in the mouth. So when you're talking about vision and you're talking about sight, you could use a picture or an image, but in most cases, the best thing to do is to blindfold the person so that way they are forced to come up with their own vision, forced to go back in their subconscious mind and pull up the erotic vision that fits this, this vibration. Or you can have darkness. In other words, the room is completely dark, again, forcing the person to go and pull up their own vision. Or if, if, if you feel that you're very, very attractive and the person's very, very attracted to you, then you can turn the lights on and let them see you. Or uh, one of the things that I tell people to do is I tell women, okay, then take a picture of yourself when you're at your prime and in your best outfit, in your sexy bathing suit or, or in your miniskirt and blow it up 36 by 24 and put, it, put, a, put a larger picture as possible in your bedroom right next to your bed. And every time your man comes over, he sees that picture. And so you do something when you're in that outfit, you, you do something with him that makes that picture imprint on his subconscious mind. And all you've got to do after that is just keep the picture up in the bedroom. You could be 50 pounds heavier. That picture could be 10 years old. He's still going to respond to it. He's going to respond to it subconsciously. And therefore, you have a means to tie into the brain dendrite patterns, to tie into his subconscious when you're dealing with these aphrodisiacs, as we're talking about here. Uh, so, but probably the best way to do it is to blindfold the person because it forces them to go into their right brain. So <coughs> when you're dealing with uh, smell, um, you can have natural smells, but probably the best thing to do is, is to do oils. And by oils, what I mean is that you train the person with the oils. To, to deal with aphrodisiacs, you would train the person with the oils. In other words, you, you use the same oil over and over and over again. And you pick an oil that's rare, that's hard. You might even mix two oils. You need the best, uh, purest ingredients of the oils that you can find and a minimum of alcohol. And what you want to do 
is every time you are in a particular vibration, you put a little of that oil on and you make sure they smell you. Or you could put the oil on them so that they smell it on their own skin. But you only put the oil on them or you only put the oil on yourself when you're at the peak of erotic pleasure, when, you are ne- when, you're, when you're out dancing and you know the person loves to dance, when you're at the beach and you know they love the beach, or they're doing something that's really, really erotic. That's the only time you use that oil. And you train them in the oil. And after a while, every time that scent is, 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 is touched with that oil, they go back to a brain dendrite pattern that connects to the dopamine receptors and gives you access to what is called an aphrodisiac. So if we keep going, and you're starting to get the, you're starting to get the picture of this, right? You, you, you still go and you start to say, so like taste, one of the things that I do is that most children have this um, um, connection to fruits where they experience fruits as juicy and delicious and whatever. So strawberries, raspberries, cherries, and things like that, fruits like that, most people see them as being sexual. And so if you put these fruits into a punch and you put some type of a wine, like a plum wine, in there, and you and you put a little gin in there or something like that, and you give someone something like that to drink, they may expect, they may feel like they're high even when they're not. Why? Because the vibration itself will touch them. You know, all they have to do is see the fruit in the glass and it puts them into a certain space. And if you mix it right and you play with it, you'll get, depending on the person, you'll be able to touch them that way. In other words, you open up that channel, just like turning the TV to channel 8. You open up that channel into the dopamine receptors, and you make it possible to use an aphrodisiac. In other words, you're creating your own tailored aphrodisiac that is more powerful than anything you can buy. So two things. Let's review. You need to first be working with the reflexology zones, and that's, you know, it can be foot, hands, genitals, or head. And you're working on that spot, and that's your input place. That's where you're inputting the sensation to start with. That's where you're connecting to the person's brain through that reflexology zone. So you're, you, can, you, know, you can kiss or you can touch, you can press acupuncture points or massage, or you could put the hand in warm water, put the feet, Put the, you know, put hot oils on the feet, not too hot. Use your imagination, but you're touching that reflexology zone. Then you're somehow or another opening up their subconscious mind and causing them to connect to childhood memories of pleasure, warmth, comfort, sexuality, whatever. And if you're dealing with music, you want to awaken the brain stem. You want to have music that has a particular beat to it that touches that brain stem. Reggae music is a good example, but you use the one that that person responds to, and these things open up. So when we're looking at aphrodisiacs, you want to take, an, uh, uh, you want to take stock of the five senses. 
and you want to make sure all five senses are either helping you create your aphrodisiac, but at the minimum, they're not distracting you from it. As long as they're not a minus in that column for the five senses, you're okay. If you just got one column with a plus in it and the rest of them are neutral, that's good. You can't have four of them okay and one of them having something negative. So if you're in a room and everything is great except you got a bad smell from smelly socks in the room, then boom, you, 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 you're out, you're struck out. Because you, you, you're opening up the channel to the aphrodisiacs and then the dirty sock smell shuts it down. You cannot use a lot of talking and left brain stuff when you're trying to create an aphrodisiac. If you're trying to be present in the moment where you're sucking the toes using the uh, uh, sex toys or doing things like that and you're trying to be present and get a different vibration from it, you can't be left brain. You can't do a lot of talking. You can't do a lot of trying to figure stuff out, explaining stuff. That kills it. You don't want to do a lot of thinking. That kills it. You want to do stuff that's repetitive. If you've got a TV movie on, that's okay, as long as you're not paying that much attention to it. You can't be trying to help the kids with homework and get aroused. That doesn't work like that. Your mind has to be free to float. And so you take stock of these five senses, and you say to yourself, I've got to make sure I'm covered with taste. So as long as you don't have a bad taste, no taste is fine. Smell, the best thing to use is oils. But there are a few of us who create uh, body pheromones naturally. They don't have much of a smell to them. It's hard to smell them. But they do have an impact. And if you're one of those lucky people that produces pheromones, then you've got, you got the smell thing covered. Touch, you're touching the reflexology zone. Now, you can go further than that. You know, you can uh, add something to the whole touch dynamic if that's what you want to do. But basically, to get the touch vibration covered, you simply are putting input into one of the four reflexology zones, feet, hands, head, genitals. Sight, the best thing that we said to do is to put the person into their right brain by putting on a blindfold, putting them in darkness, having a picture next to the bed or place where you are that they consider to be erotic, not because it's a picture you saw in a magazine. The picture has to be related to reality. In other words, the picture has to be related to them or you. If they felt really sexy because they used to do mountain climbing, and that's when they felt their sexiest, then take a picture of them when they were last on a a mountain climbing trip and put that in the room. And put and blow it up and put that there. And if that's what makes that man feel sexy, then put the picture of him mountain climbing with his gear, put it up there, okay? But it's got to be something that's real. It can't be a fake picture. It's got to be a picture of one of you. If it's, if it's not, then, then it, it, you're not sending the right signal. Now, what we're talking about here is not a sexy picture. We're talking about a picture that opens up a channel into your subconscious mind. Because that's what aphrodisiacs do. When you put the blindfold on, the blindfold creates the aphrodisiac effect because it forces the person to stop looking at everything and processing it. And it forces them to start generating images themselves, which 
once again opens up that part of the mind that not only is thinking sexy thoughts, but then it begins to put out images of what those sexy thoughts are. The person begins to wonder what's going to happen. They start they stop being in touch with their left brain and everything that's going on around them, and they start opening up to sensations from within. And the dopamine receptors start to open up, wake up, get ready. Hearing, again, the brain stem is the place where you really want to touch base to, but probably the sexiest thing about hearing is not to have anything at all, complete silence, or to be submerged in water or to have sounds associated with water or one of the elementals. Normally it's water. In other words, rain falling on a roof, waves crashing against the shore, um, uh, water flowing down a brook, or mist uh, condensing, or something like that. Normally any sound associated with the elemental water is considered sexy by the subconscious mind. And in some cases, you could use some of the other elementals, but for the most part, I think you're safe with water. But there's much more. I mean, the whole hearing piece and the sound piece, there's a lot of stuff we could throw at you, and it's too much for one show to really get into that. The point is, once you do all of these things, you have created the aphrodisiac, and then it's simply a matter of you injecting, infusing energy into that person. Once you've created this, whatever it is, through a song, through giving them a particular taste, a particular smell, a particular touch, a particular sight, whatever you've done, then the only thing you have to do is give them the energy, as we teach in the class. And you have created an aphrodisiac effect. And then you simply need to be present. That's it. In other words, that person needs to be fully present. They need to be in that room, nowhere else. Their mind needs to be blank, able to receive, nothing else, no thoughts. Don't worry about tomorrow, yesterday, nothing, right now. That's it. You need to be fully present. You need to be involved in each breath. You want to slow the thinking down as much as possible. In other words, you want to make time stretch as far in between each second as possible. You want time to be long. In other words, every minute to last longer than it normally does. So that what we're saying is you want to be present in each moment so that each moment seems to last longer. And that's when the aphrodisiac effect allows you to experience things that used to happen to you in a different way. In other words, the woman sucking your toes drives you crazy, not because she's that good a toe sucker. Maybe she is. But it drives you crazy because you have opened yourself up so that your dopamine receptors in your brain can fire in connection to a visual or stimulation that you have labeled it, you have defined it as being sexual, as being erotic. And this thing can be anything. You can train a man to experience an onion as being erotic. You can train a woman to hold her cigarette lighter and have an orgasm. You can train a woman that every time she snaps and lights her cigarette lighter, she has an orgasm. 
it, it may sound silly, but it's not. It's about what you tell yourself, what you train yourself, how you program yourself. So when we say, you know, uh, this turns me on, that turns me on, we should change our language to say, this is what I have trained myself to turn me on. So if yellow panties turn you on, something in your past, you trained yourself to like yellow panties. And so, you know, if yellow panties does it for you, then it's yellow panties. But that does not mean that a green camisole can't be your thing. It's simply a matter of you opening up the mind, allowing yourself to connect the dopamine receptors to and the, and, the, and the whole process in the limbic system, attaching and aligning that to some dendrite pattern in your brain, something that you consider to be sexy. And then you push energy into one of the four reflexology zones, bam, you're done it, you're there, and you're present, and you're there. Now, we're giving you the overview. You've got to go to the class to learn the mechanics of how to actually do it. So we don't tell you enough in these things so that you can actually go out and create an aphrodisiac situation. We're giving you the skeleton. We're giving you the outline of how it's done, minus a few key little uh, catalysts that you're going to need in order to make it really work. That's okay. Some of you know enough. You might be able to put it together just based on what I've told you tonight, and that's all good. The real point is that we are not limited. And science and Tantra is not just about spiritual awakening. Sometimes it's just about pleasure. And sometimes we don't have to do a lot to get pleasure. We simply have to be willing to experience it and willing to give it. And so what robs us of our experience on the earth is two things. We are greedy and stingy, and we want stuff that we don't want to give. And therefore, we feel that we only want to receive, and we are not compassionate to the people out there that want to receive from us, but we don't want to give to them. And the second thing is, that we are not supportive of the energy that it takes for experience to happen. We take shortcuts. And whenever we support the machine culture, where we want to do stuff through machines and we don't want to do stuff through humans, then we subtract from our ability to experience pleasure and to be present. One person said he never wanted his guitar to be electrified because he wanted people to feel the vibration of him playing the guitar as it naturally was. He never wanted it amplified. Certain singers, you know, did not like the fact that their voice was amplified. They wanted the audience to feel their voice natural without any electronic interference. Some people, you know, they probably will take issue with what I said about the vibrators because they don't want the electric current flowing through the machine. They would rather do the, the pulsation themselves with their own fingers. And this is all good. But each time that we ride in a car, each time that we experience um, 
a machine dicing our potatoes. Each time that we use a machine to do something, a computer or whatever, we take away the humanness in the world. And thus, it is through human contact, through the five senses, through songs, through dancing, through artwork, through walking, through work, through chopping in the garden, that we attune our bodies and our brains and our dopamine receptors to the earth, to the five senses, to the elemental kingdom. And these things allow us then to get to a place where we can be present, where we can experience things in such a way that it appears to be supernatural, it appears to be miraculous, it appears that we are capable of experiences that should that a human should not be capable of. And I know, I can tell you that I've been high off of wine and I've been intoxicated off of wine. The two are not the same. I can tell you that I had a few sips of wine that had the right things in it, not even a half a glass, not even a, a quarter of a glass, and it put me into such a state of intoxication that allowed me to experience pleasure. And I've had a half a bottle of wine that tastes really good. It didn't do the same thing for me. Such is life. Coach Kair, I'm nearing the end of my my phone life, apparently, here, based on the message. Hold on, we got a, hold on, we but, got a, uh, we we got a caller. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we got somebody in the queue been holding on for a little while. Somebody else called in, too, and they, they may have pressed one by accident, but I'm getting ready to bring on the caller. Last four digits. 8430. Remember, we're not revealing who you are. You got a story or a comment. You don't have to give up your name tonight. Um, so um, we appreciate you for uh, getting the ball rolling. Um, y'all, I told y'all I was going to, uh, oh, and I got a new sound effect up too, so if somebody brings it, <laughs> I'm going to bring out this new sound effect. But call her last four digits, 8430. Uh, your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Uh, my name is Jay. Come from Dallas. Oh and, man, uh, what's happening, Jay? Yeah, yeah, man. Here, hey, look, I, 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 I hate to like change the subject, but I've got a subject that's like kind of on what you all are talking about, but not about aphrodisiacs. And I just wanted to find out if if you give me some help. Um, my uh. I don't have the ability to have orgasm. It's like it just totally has gone away. I can ejaculate, but there's no orgasm that comes along with it. Is there something that I can do to correct the problem? Yes. Uh, The thing is that you are not alone. There are a lot of men in the same boat with you. And so... Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions later, but first I'm going to talk about orgasm and ejaculation. Ejaculation occurs from the prostate, and the prostate begins to pump, and it's the pumping action of the prostate stimulated by the perineum muscle that causes the ejaculation. Orgasm occurs in the brain. It occurs in the brain with there are a particular set of, of receptors in the brain, some of them are dopamine, some of them are uh, are endocrine-related, I mean, uh, 
uh, epinephrine related, but the receptors in the brain void themselves. In other words, they push the things that are there out so that they become like a vacuum, so that they become like an empty vessel. And it is when the when when the, there's a neurochemical reaction that takes these particular chemical substances and forces it into the receptors that we have an orgasm, that we feel what is called a rush or a pleasure. And it's and these chemicals cause the brain to flood with certain nerve type in other words, orgasm is a chemical thing. That's the bottom line. It's not a nervous thing. It's not an energy thing. The nervous system, you know, contributes. The energy certainly brings it about, but the actual experience itself is chemical, and it requires chemicals to be present in the body, and it requires a chemical reaction for you to experience it. Therefore, your nervous system can be fine, and everything can be fine, but if the bloodstream is not capable of carrying certain chemicals, certain minerals, and, certain, and, and manufacturing certain neurochemicals, you will stop having the experience of orgasm. Now, in order for the body for this to happen, for you to lose the experience, the ability to orgasm at all, then what has to happen is the auric field has to have a complete block someplace. And this complete shutdown in the auric field then stops the body from being able to put these chemicals into the blood and get these chemicals into the brain. The most likely causes of a failure of the ability to orgasm in the brain, in other words, you are still ejaculating but no orgasm, the most likely cause is health-related issues such as high blood pressure and diabetes. But that's rare, even so. The other cause of it is normally a situation that is not very common um, uh, uh, 50 years ago, but it's becoming more and more common. And that is where we have specific types of amino acid deficiencies in the body where the body is not able to process certain and digest certain foods. In other words, you've got, you've got the chemicals. You're eating the chemicals. The chemicals are in your body but you're not able to process them. And this is going on at the molecular level. So you're, you've got certain things in your body and your food, but through your, your digestive system is not able to break them down or your, or your metabolism is not able to put these different building blocks back together to make these particular atoms, these particular molecules, these particular what are called carrier molecules in the cells so the cells can't secrete these particular molecular signatures that allow your body to put together certain neurochemicals. In the absence of these neurochemicals, whatever down the chain, wherever, these, wherever this chain is interrupted, the absence of these neurochemicals, you have the orgasm, but it's not, you're not able to feel it because something is missing in the chain. So you're actually having the, the experience of it, without the experience of it. In other words, you're going through all the motions, but something in this chain is missing because something chemical, your body is not able to make it. Now, trying to determine what that is uh, would require something above and beyond my ability to do over the phone with you. 
because it, it, you would need to do certain blood work and certain uh, neurological work with your urine, like a urine sample, something like that, hair analysis or something like that, something that actually tells us what's going on in your in your chemistry. In other words, we're not so concerned. We're, we're not just concerned about the chemistry in your blood. Mainly, we're concerned about the chemistry in your brain. So we want to know what's going on up there uh, in terms of, you know, if, if if we see some major thing that's out of whack, if we see lead in higher uh, or mercury or something like that that's in higher evidence than it should be, or arsenic or something like that, and uh, then we can say, well, that's, that gets us started to look where we want to look. And then we can say, uh, is this person producing the right uh, enzymes? Because enzymes are very important. And if you look at how your food is being digested, and more importantly, how is your food metabolized? In other words, you break the food down, that's one thing. Then you also need enzymes to put the food back together to make protein molecules, especially the amino acid complexes that are the building blocks of protein. And somewhere in that chain, we may see something that's not, we may see no cholesterol or lack of lysotin or something going on there that's unusual. And this may give us clues as to what's happening in the brain. It's very, very difficult to actually tell us what's going on in the brain because um, even if you had a microscope and you could see inside the brain, stuff changes up there so fast, like, you know, every minute and stuff, that some of the chemicals, they don't get made until they're ready to be used. So you can't really tell until you're actually watching the process itself. And, and so what I'm trying to say is that without a laboratory and, and modern research facilities that, 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 you know, that doctors and scientists would have, it would be difficult for me to really pinpoint an answer to that question. I could probably find out some get on the trail by doing a, you know, uh, uh, asking you a lot of questions and looking at your outer self. But for me to actually pinpoint the actual problem itself, would probably require um, uh, a lab. Now, one person that might be able to help you is the whole thing with symptometry because they're dealing with stuff at the molecular level. I'm not saying that they can, but that would be, I would say they would probably be your best hope to getting to the, to, to trying to come up with a solution because he might be able to give you a solution even without knowing what the problem is because I think unless you have something really standing out, and we don't want to get into that over the air. You know, you can call me off the air, but unless you have something that's really stand out in your health, then probably we're not going to be able to solve that. In other words, unless we say, well, I'm allergic to macadamia nuts, and you know this, and you've been eating macadamia nuts a lot this year, unless it's something like that that you can tell us, then we probably are not going to be able to pinpoint that chemically. But that's what's going on. So in the male, orgasm and ejaculation are two separate functions. One is operated by the parasympathetic system. One is operated by the sympathetic nervous system. And it is by separating these two functions that we learn to retain our seed so that we learn to have an orgasm, but we don't ejaculate. And so you're doing just the opposite thing. You're having an orgasm. I mean, you're having an ejaculation without the orgasm. Now, um, Start here. Mm-hmm. This is a guess, a wild guess, but start here. And if it works, you're going to call me up and send me a lot of money. 
right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go out and take by yourself uh, the amino acid tyrosine and buy you the amino acid arginine. Don't ask me how to spell them because, you know, uh, I'm sitting here on the radio. Now, and then what I want you to do is I want you to take two of these amino acids each day of both. Take two of the arginine and take two. Don't take them at the same time and take two of the other and try to eat a balanced diet that day. Try to eat, you know, arginine works better if you eat a lot of seeds and nuts and things like that. And try to get you some enzymes in your system, you know. All right, uh, all right hold on. Right. So that was arginine and, and what? Arginine, A-R-G-I-N-I-N-E, I think, something like that. And yeah. thorazine, that's T-Y-R-O-S-I-N-E, thorazine. So you want to take them not at the same time, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. Just okay. take two of each, each day for a week. Okay. Don't take the arginine for more than a week because if you overdo the arginine, then it blocks the amino acid lysine, and that's not good. That will cause you to have a calcium deficiency. So take okay. these two amino acids for no more than a week and then stop. Wait a week before you try it again. See if it helps you okay. because thorazin is, is one of the principal precursors to the simple dopamine precursor to the thing that actually caused it's not the actual dopamine receptor but it's the it's the thing that that makes the receptor okay so you you take these and and what it should do is it should help you put all of the chemicals together so that you can make dopamine or the other or the four just like 14 or 15 different versions of isotopes of dopamine and so if one of them is missing, it, can, it could, could be the answer. Now, that's like real simple. If that works, then your problem is probably just enzymatic, and you just need to start taking more of uh, uh, betaine, hydrochloride, lipids, and uh, pancreatine and stuff like that, and you may have a problem in your pancreas. Now, the other thing is that you don't like women, and something has happened in the past that has shut down that part of you that you just you just stop liking women. And as a consequence, that's what's blocking you from making the enzyme. <laughs> so is there a major event? And you don't have to give all of the details. Just a yes or no kind of enough. Is there some major event that's occurred between you and some woman in the last two years? No. No, there's no major event. Um the, the, but I can tell you though, the problem started all the way back uh, over 20 years ago. Uh, it, it was it was just when I was a real young man, um, and um, I mean, the, the first thing I thought of when you said you know that I, I don't like women is that when I was um, a very young man, you know, the the the, the first woman that I was with. Had um, you know, she told me she was on the pill, and but she got pregnant anyway. And I don't know if that like had had an effect on me or whatever. That's really the only. How thing old were you at that time? I was 
1718. Did you have to uh, take care of the kid? No. Did some kind of drama unfold around that that that's, that was traumatizing to you? Well, it was. Well, RC, I didn't. Without, have to without giving without giving too many details, I don't want the details. Yeah. I just want to know: Did you did, did this seem to you at the time as a trauma? Were you traumatized by the event, the pregnancy? Yeah. Yes or no? Well, okay. That's all, that's, that's all I need to know, because see, a lot of a lot of women don't understand that men are traumatized by the events as much as they are, and so you know, if a woman uh, springs up, you know, the man is expecting that you're taking the pill or whatever, and you're not, and then you up and become pregnant, that's a trauma for a 17 year old. <laughs> you know, that's the same kind of trauma as if. You know, you have an abortion or you get raped or it's trauma. And women don't really understand that. They're like, okay, uh, I'm the one having the baby. Why is he traumatized? But, yeah, if you're a 17-year-old boy and the woman gets pregnant, you're traumatized because you're like, damn, I can see my whole life flashing before me. My parents are going to beat my ass. Uh, All kinds of other stuff is happening. Um, You know, that's a trauma. So, yes, that can definitely do some stuff that can cause you to have these types of problems. And what happens is, you know, it sets up two things. The two things that kill our sexual drive. It sets up fear. Sets up fear. It sets up fear. And the first cousin to fear, guilt. Yeah. Fear and yeah, guilt will shut your ass down faster than anything. The only thing you. stronger than fear and guilt is invalidation. But, yeah, fear and guilt combined in a situation like that where you're traumatized, they begin, they can begin to start the process of shutting all the equipment down. They're like, okay, I'm scared, um, you know, whatever. See, the thing is, with, with most men and women, is that these things become sublimated. We stop dealing with them consciously. We're no longer dealing with it consciously. Oh, I, I, mean, I mean, but you know what? I mean, I, I, I can understand where you're coming from because just, I mean, but I'm, I, I think I'm even dealing with it, you know, subconsciously because all of my life, like, even when I'd be in my dreams and, like, I'd be getting ready to have sex and it's like, I don't have a condom. I can't do it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's how far it, it, it it's come. You know what I mean? Well, that so <laughs> if you ate a pecan when you were six, and you had a nut reaction to it, and you got sick and almost died, what do you think will happen to you if you saw pecans on a dish at a restaurant when you're 17? You're going to have a reaction to it. And after a while, if it happens enough, it becomes something that is subconscious. So absolutely, you know, it's a situation where when you're dreaming, it's telling you what's programmed into your subconscious. But the good news is you control your subconscious. Okay. And that's one of the programs in the program we talk about, second puberty. Second puberty is going back and reprogramming the stuff in your that happened through puberty in your subconscious and rewriting that program. 
One of the things we talk about women is the womb imprint, where the woman gets imprinted the first two or three times she has sex. And women live with that imprint the rest of their life. Guess what? Don't have to do that. You can change your imprint. You can change your programming in the womb and start being attracted to different things. But, I mean, hey, if you don't know Yao Morris, if you don't know Grand Trine Tantra, well, you don't know this stuff. But luckily, you too, Smitty Smith, can change your subconscious programming. It's not that hard. Okay. If you don't know how to do it, well, yeah, it's hard. But you can find out how to do it. And basically, you are in control of you. Don't, I don't care what anybody says. The secret is, you know, you have to understand that the brain dendrite patterns are always trying to go back to what they used to be. And you just have to realize you just don't let them. When you are traumatized by something, you're in one situation. You do have to respond. But once you're past that crisis, you don't have to respond that way anymore. So when a woman is 13 and she's raped, she feels helpless. She feels like, I'm, I screamed, nobody came. This guy got me in the barn. He did what he wanted to me. He slapped me around. He raped me. And I, did, I couldn't stop it. And so then for the next five years, she's still responding as if she's being raped every day. Men come up to her and she starts feeling afraid. She won't wear short dresses because she doesn't want the men to look at her like that because she's still responding as if she's in the process of being raped. At some point in time, she has to tell her subconscious, I'm not being raped anymore. Yes, it happened. It was bad. I'll, if I ever see him again, I'm going to kick his butt, but I'm not being raped now. Therefore, it's time to switch up the program. Let's mm -hmm. stop being programmed as if I was just raped yesterday. And so this is what you got to do. You got to say, okay, I'm not, I didn't get a girl pregnant last year. I didn't get a girl pregnant last month. I didn't get a girl pregnant last night. It's, stop, it's time to stop acting like I just got a girl pregnant. Because that's what we do. We get locked into this programming, and the spirit body starts to tell the physical body, look, we are not trying to get nobody pregnant no more for the rest of our life. Therefore, stop having all them goddamn good orgasms. Because the more orgasms that knucklehead has, the more he's going to want to get women pregnant. And we don't want that. And so the brain and the mind does what the subconscious tells it to. It says, okay, shut that shit down. Stop it. No more dopamine to the brain receptors because it feels too good. And if this Negro feels so good, he's going to go out there and get him some more pussy. Stop it. <laughs> Can't have it. And so, you know, um, that's what happens. It's just that simple. And it's just that simple to change it. Well, it's not that simple, but but that's that's the nuts and bolts of it. I gotta stop for a second and, and make sure that I'm good with Coach Kyer because I know he had a particular agenda and we spent a lot of time on this and, and you know yes. so I wanna just check in with Coach Kyer to make sure we're okay. Oh man. Are we okay? That's I mean how I feel, let me see how I feel about it.
I feel about it. It's all, all, all is well. That's what we're here for at Original Native Radio, the Grand Triumph Program, and MasterYow.com. Is people calling in, getting the facts. You know, this is this, this is the station where we save lives and empower people with the uh, with the right wisdom in order for them to better themselves and come out and start living a more healthier and authentic life. So, nah, y'all can keep on rolling. I did want to just pass the brothers, uh, Doctor Abbott's phone number off to um, to Jay. Uh, you can give Dr. Abbott a call at 336-456-9183, Dr. Charlie Abbott of Symptometry. He's also the director for the American School of Symptometry, and um, you're going to... Y'all threw you a good alley-oop right there because that, that's, yeah. that's who I'm using. And, and, and when you talk to Dr. Abbott, you can tell him that you talk to me on the radio, and if Dr. Abbott wants to contact me, he has my number, and we'll double-team it if necessary. Um, uh, and, and that might be necessary in a case like this because even with, with you know, with the symptometry piece, if the situation is psychosomatic, in other words, if you shut it down from the energy body side, then even symptometry is not going to open it back up again. Yeah. Not easily, anyway. Because basically, in other words, if a person shut down their sexual thing from poor living, poor eating, not exercising, and electromagnetic stuff like that, that's one thing. If they shut it down because of trauma, that's a whole other ballgame. And symptometry might force it open for a while, but basically what what really also has to be fixed is your desire, your subconscious brain dendrite patterns. In other words, this is the same thing that happens to women. They start to have the same sexual reaction to all men based on what a few key men did to them. And this is so wrong, so, so wrong. And so here's what happens. The man who stimulated them the most, that's who they want to make love to them all the time. This guy who one time in the bar, they danced, they had drinks, she got drunk, this guy pushed the right buttons, he was handsome, his breath smelled good, they had the best sex of her life, and she wants all men to repeat that. And then this one guy promised her he was going to love her, and then he hit that thing one time and didn't call her no more. And that she's afraid that all men are going to do that to her, so she's treating all men that way. And then she had an abortion because of the third man. And so she's treating all men in the future based on these three men, two bad, one good. And so that's her formula. You three, you three men determine how I'm going to respond sexually to every man I see. The guy who I had an abortion from, never wanted to get pregnant. The guy who, you know, uh, rejected me after one night. He promised me the world. Then he got the pussy and ran. And then this other guy that did, you know, did me really good, and I can't seem to repeat that no more. So those, those are the three guys. So, you know, if, if we, that's how we're functioning. That's how we're rolling, and that's whack. And so this is what's happening with you. You have developed a program where you are dealing with all women based on what three or four women did. 
And so that's become your M.O. It's like, so you meet the Queen of Sheba, you know, uh, she's, uh, I'm trying to throw out some names, but I'm scared, but she's this woman, this woman, this woman, all roll into one. She's everything a man could dream of, but you are responding to her as if she's this 17-year-old girl who did you wrong. And you wasted. You don't. You don't want to do that. Yeah. You would be surprised how many men out here can make love for an hour but not orgasm or ejaculate. They can ejaculate, but they don't want to. They don't want to ejaculate. Why? Because it doesn't give them any pleasure. Some of your worst psychopaths and criminals are that way because they can neither orgasm nor ejaculate. Easily, and when they do, it has a minimum amount of pleasure, because they've been the subject of some kind of trauma or abuse or neglect, and they're so desensitized that sexually they're numb, and they become so angry, they take it out on society by through criminal and violent behavior. Talk to the judges, talk to the people in these. Uh, outpatient wards where they deal with, you know, drug and stuff like that. You know, my, my brother does that type of work. I can tell you that there is a serious correlation between what you're talking about and a lot of social problems that we don't talk about. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's a lot more men dealing with this than you think. They just don't talk about it. And I want to focus on one thing more than anything else. Men are traumatized by stuff that happens, especially rejections. I remember vaguely, I mean, I remember very vividly my first rejection uh, at a dance when I was like 13. I remember there were two or three women who accepted me when I wanted to dance with them. But I remember very vividly this one girl, we used to be the best of friends, best of friends before she you know, developed and got all kinds of new body parts. And she started getting a lot of attention from boys. And I remember going up to her, asking her to dance, and she she didn't just say no, but she said it in such a way it was like an insult that, you know, it was like, um, get away from me, like you have some kind of disease. And I was, like, shocked by the rejection. And it just... I didn't want to stay at the dance anymore. You know, I was like, oh, wow, this was like, it was like somebody threw poison on me. And after that, I sort of like recoiled and just sort of sat there and drank my little punch and then went home. When I, as soon as I got a ride home, I went home because it was like, wow, that was like totally unexpected. And it was, you know, I manned up and got past it. But the reality is that it traumatizes men and men don't, don't talk about it. They don't see it as a trauma, but it's a trauma. And women talk about it, and they get help. And maybe they focus on it too much, but at the same time, at least they do focus on it. If you don't know you've got that it's a problem, then you can't fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely understand that. But it's definitely very fixable. Very fixable. Hmm. 
And so if it's something chemical, you try that. You try the uh, the L-thorazine and the arginine and see if that makes it better. And if that makes it better, then you call me, and and you probably don't need to go through the whole rigmarole thing. You can probably just do a chemical fix. But if that doesn't work, then it's probably a situation where you got to go back and really reprogram your subconscious. Okay. Okay. What the the last relationship that you were in? How did the woman treat you? Well, you know, there was um, she treated me good at first, but um, I don't know. I, I I kind of lost interest. I guess you could say. Um, I felt like um, actually, okay, I'm just gonna be honest. She tried really hard to seduce me, and I just couldn't let myself go go there that that far. I couldn't do it, and it wrecked our relationship. Yeah. Well. Um, she felt rejected by me, but I, I, it's not that I really wanted to reject her. I just couldn't let her be in control, I guess you'd say. Well, a lot of men feel that way. I can tell you that, you know, after my divorce, it was nasty. You know, I remember the judge basically telling me, you know, you got to pay X amount of dollars. We we're talking six figures not six figures, we're talking five figures, but five big figures, and and me having to argue, I went, you know, I, I said, well, I want to do a one-time lump sum thing, and the judge rejected that, and, and I had to send my attorney back to a hearing, and finally my attorney got it to the place where we could do a one-time lump sum, you know, based on the fact that we hadn't been married that long. And I remember the feeling I had walking out of court was like, Oh man, this is like wow. I mean, they they the judge treated me like a criminal. You know, I've been in a criminal court with, you know, to testify against people and whatever, and they didn't treat the criminals as bad as they treated me. It was traumatizing. And I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, you know, I you know, it changed my whole viewpoint about women." And for the next 3 or 4 weeks, it was hard to get an erection. I mean, it was like <laughs> I wanted to just be with the, with my fist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, erections just wasn't coming that easy. And so, I mean, there's a lot of men out here in that in that in that whole in that whole thing. But what happens is, you know, it's a long term kind of thing that really needs to be addressed. In terms of, okay, it's okay to feel that way for three or four weeks because you just came out of divorce court, but you're not supposed to feel that way four years later. So if you're still feeling like that four years later after you, you know, after your divorce, you then 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 you got to go back and re redeal, you know, erase that programming because you can't live the rest of your life as if every woman 
is like is like your ex wife, just a different woman, a different face on the same person. So when 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 you look at this scenario, you know, I think that I think in your case, I don't think the chemical stuff is going to do it. It might help, but I think it's not going to be a permanent fix. I think that you know, the situation is that. A woman has to come along that that is your surrogate, and through her, you learn to, you know, forgive and forget, and and allow them to, to undo what this other woman did long time ago. And a lot of times it requires the same type of woman. One of the therapies that I did for myself was I met a woman who reminded me of my wife, and I first wanted to beat her. <laughs> When I started talking to her, I found her repulsive. But then my book, my my main my my wing man reminded me said, "Well, you were very attracted to your wife before you married her. So why is it that you're not attracted to this woman? She looks just like her, you know, body style, this, that, and the other, the way she wears her hair. So you know, you need to get past the past and and just go out with her and see if you can get past this precondition that you put her, this category you put her into." So I did do that. I was never able to have sex with her, but I at least became friends with her, and I, that was a big step for me. And so a lot of times, you know, you find a woman who reminded you of the woman that that committed the offense, and then you uh, force yourself to to put yourself in the vulnerable situation again just so that you realize that you're stronger and better now, and the outcome does not have to be the same. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like a policeman who gets shot. And so, you know, are you in a car accident? I was in a bad car accident uh, this year. I had to go back to the spot a couple of times to, to get past that because, you know, it was a pretty, pretty bad accident. So policeman who got shot... One one thing that he had to do was go back to that situation and face that same type of scenario where you know the gang violence and you know and get back in a situation where it was where it was a difficult situation where people were drawing guns and stuff like that and not lose it. So if you know if you're in that scenario, then you go back to it. It's like post traumatic syndrome. You go into a war zone and you come out scarred. And part of the cure is to put yourself in a traumatic situation like a war zone and to realize that you can remain calm, keep your peace, and not, uh, you know, not let yourself slip back into the mode of feeling like you have to experience the same outcome. So I think that um, there's probably a woman someplace who reminds you of the thing that you're afraid of. And when I say afraid... I don't mean that you're consciously afraid of it now. I mean that you subconsciously have a program based in fear where you're trying to avoid a situation. And so you want to put yourself into that situation again and manage the outcome. Okay. Jay, I want to ask you a quick... I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. I just wanted to ask him a, um, a question Um but you, when you when you brought up uh, post traumatic stress syndrome, I just wanted to do a quick question of when you are engaging 
in a sexual act and the thought of the pregnancy happening comes about and there's an emotional, is there um, an emotional connection with that particular thought as far as the fear or the anger or confusion? Well, you know, it's it, it's funny. See, I mean, I haven't really felt like when I'm engaging in sex, I haven't really, at least in the past, the past that I can remember, in you know, last few years or whatever, I haven't felt the that that whole situation come back up. You know, I mean, it's 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 like I I I, I think I buried it. You know, and it's just not something that I even try to think about. You know what I mean? So, well, there's a lot of dynamics to this, and I don't want you to become concerned about what I'm going to say. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you may find a string of truth in it. A lot of times, when something, when somebody reacts to something so dramatically, it it, it signals a past life issue, and so in a past life you may have denied a man the ability to orgasm. Mm-hmm. So you may have done something to some man at some point in time in your last life that after that event, whatever you did, he was not able to have a normal sexual life again. And part of you know what's happening to you, the way that you're responding so dramatically in this life, is because you never resolved the past life issue. The, uh, uh, that may or may not be the case, but usually there is something uh, when you, when somebody reacts this strongly, there is usually some type of a past life connection. Now, the other side of that is that you may have had too many children in the past life, and in this lifetime you came back with a fear of having too many children. Um, and this may be why you're reacting the way that you are. But but still, it does not change the fact that you don't deserve it. Just because you have a past life situation, the reason that we die is so that we don't have to keep living the same life come all, you know, for the rest of our existence. We die so we can stop it, get off the merry-go-round, get off the roller coaster, wipe the slate clean and start all over again. That's why we die. So just because you have karma doesn't mean that you must have a negative consequence from it. It's simply the tendency of the energies in the past, what it's trying to do to us in the present. You can deal with it. And a lot of times it's simply a matter of, you know, if you did something wrong to somebody, the, the situation is going to come up over and over again in this life to give you a chance to undo that. And okay. that's not something that somebody can tell you. It's something that you have to feel. You will feel it. You will just feel that that. If there's something that you're doing in this lifetime that's taking someone's rights away or leaving someone impaired, it may have nothing to do with sex. But if you find that that you are in this lifetime doing something that incapacitates other people, especially in terms of their ability to feel pleasure, are you a prison guard? Pardon me? Are you a prison guard? No, no. I didn't think so. 
But let's just say you were a prison guard and you were abusive to your prisoners. Then I could say to you, okay, well, you know, um, maybe that's what you were in a past life. You were, you, you know, you were, you ran a prison, and therefore you, you, you kept men from having a sexual life, and that's part of why you're reacting the way you are in this life. Therefore, get out of that business, get into the business of helping people experience, and, and that will help you to also change. So we don't know all of the dynamics involved with this, but it's never as simple as it appears on the surface. There's always underlying stuff, but even so. The bottom line is you are supposed to be healthy. You're supposed to have a good experience. You're supposed to have a good sexual experience. That's what you're here for. You're not here to suffer. Don't don't buy into all of this crazy religious stuff where you've got to have sins and this, that, and the other, and you've got to go to the priest and say, Tim Hail Mary's, that's a crock of nonsense. You know, once you just figure out what it is that's holding you back, you simply... Reprogram it. You have control of yourself. And so um, whatever women that you're coming in contact with, find out the ones you're most, that you have the strongest reaction to and, and get into a situation where you feel comfortable around them. If it's a situation where you, you, know, you need to wear condoms, make sure you wear condoms. If it's a situation where, you know, um, you need to, you know, find a woman that's going to be trustworthy, then you have to tell her that. Tell her, look, I need for you to be really, 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 really honest about everything. Let's overdo it. So tell me all of the stuff and, you know, make sure that I know. Don't, don't tell me, you know, that you have on yellow underwear and then I take your clothes off and discover you've got black underwear. You know, it's like, so make sure that if that's really important, that, that the person be really honest with you, make sure you tell her that. And go through this thing and get to the point where you can identify what it is that you're really responding to, about you know, in the past. And then, you know, I would recommend you take the Grand Trine class or at least read the book, Awakening the Master Feminine. And I wish the book Awakening the Master Masculine were in print because I would tell you to read that too. But hold on, uh, y'all. Hold on, y'all. We got one minute before uh, we stop broadcasting. To those in the chat room, please call in 347-205-9089. This will be our last caller. 347-205-9089. Please call in if you are listening in the chat because we want to make sure you hear the last part of the uh, jewel dropping that uh, Yao is giving to the brother tonight. So, because um, we're getting ready to go. We're gonna, if you're on the line, stay on the line. Um, but the show is going to cut off on the live stream in about 30 seconds. That phone number, 347-205-9089. Yeah. Go ahead, Yao. com. The site's under construction. Make sure you hit the links and go to the book page. If you want to get the book, Awakening the Master Feminine, you want to turn to the chapter about men on page chapter 13 on page 175, and you want to read that. That's going to give you a lot of insight into what's happening. Okay. Any other questions, sir? From me? Jay. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, to go along with the 
not orgasm um, concept, I also find that it's difficult when I am in the process of having sex to actually feel like the feel stimulation on on my penis during the act is do do you think that that's tied into it too, or is that a separate issue, or you think they're here's they're here's what's happening there here's what's happening. yeah they're both together so the as I said there's four reflexology zones. And the principal reflexology zone is the genital one. That's what all the others are connected to. And basically, the penis is a map of the body. And your penis reflexology zone is shut down, principally. It's like 90% shut down. You can wake it up. Okay. That's what Grand Trine, that's what Tantra is all about. See, when people have seen me cause a woman's orgasm without touching, how do you do that? You bypass the genitals and go straight into the to the to the energy body that's connected to the genitals. Okay. Through the projection of energy. So the cure for you, not the not the root cure, but 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 the cure, if you want to call it that, is to is is tantra. Because yeah. through, through learning the art of projection, you will learn how to number one. Project your energy into the female. Number two, receive energy from the female. And it's going to take some some sessions to open you back up. But what happens is then you begin to understand that while your penis may be shut down, the reflexology zone connected to it is not. The energy body is never shut down. In other words, I mean, it may shut itself down, but the capacity for it to do what it needs to do is always there. It never diminishes. So, yes, you can turn the valve off, but that does not mean that the pipeline is not still there and still open. If you open the valve back up, energy will flow in that pipeline again. The pipeline is not gone. It's just the valve shut. So what I'm trying to say is that a woman can cause you to have an orgasm without your penis being involved. And when she does that, that's going to start to help activate the mechanism so that your genital reflex map starts to wake back up again so that the penis can also get 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 into the game and start having some fun. So yeah. a woman doing projection work on you is going to be the beginning of your process. Now, to, to fully heal, it simply requires you don't have to forgive women. You don't have to go through any process of, hugging women and crying and all that kind of crap. No, you simply, simply just start reprogramming yourself to say, that's not how I want to be. Basically, it's like this. You say, I want to go back to my original self. And in the class, in the Grand Time program, we describe how you do this. And when you begin this process of returning to your original self, it starts to look at you and see, this does not match the original blueprint and it starts changing you to go back to that. That's, in a nutshell, what the Grand Trine Program is about. But Tantra, through energy projection, you begin to see that, yes, you can have an orgasm, and you can wake the genital reflex mass back up again. Most females today, they're operating off of 20 to 25% of their genital. In other words, their vagina, 75% of it shut down. In other words, there's, there's some nervous energy flowing through it, but it's like way under capacity. 
and maybe 20, 25% of it's fully active. And that's what they're they're using to get their orgasms with, just that 20 to 25%. And, And in Tantra, you begin to wake up more of that vagina. And in your case, it's just extreme. Instead of it being 25%, it's down to like 4 or 5%. Yeah, I believe that. So you just have to wake the rest of it up. And so it sounds bad. It sounds like, I love all this down. But most men are not that awake. Myself, when I was in my 20s, I was 25%. Maybe that's it. Seventy-five percent of it was shut down. I had to work and wake more of it up. So um, it sounds bad. It is bad. But in terms of when I say bad, it's not so uh, catastrophic as people would think. It would take simply a few weeks or a few months to switch it, to shift it. That's it. How do I get into class? You have to pay money. Okay. okay. That's it. That's all you got to do. Uh, like, I mean, is it an online class? What what type of class? They're trying to get the online class going. Um, and basically, it, 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 it's we. I had hoped to have it going the 1st of November. And obviously, it's the 1st of December, and it's still not up yet. I'm struggling every day to uh, to get that to get it done. Uh, it's turning out to be a much more involved process than I thought. Um, but um, you know, I'm hoping to 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 finish the process here in the next couple of weeks. That's my that's my desire. Uh, we've had a couple of major setbacks in November. Uh, the Grand Trans Productions did, and you know, we're trying to overcome it. And um, you know we're, we're trying to keep focus. I I've been uh, distracted with so many things that it's, it's been really hard to just keep focused on the online classes. But if I can stay focused and and, and, and everything continues, the subcontractors continue to perform in a good way, we should get the uh, platform running here in a couple of weeks. Our site is just about finished. Uh, we've been working on the website here for almost two months now, and it's just about to the point where we're ready to activate it again. And so the the platform should be finished shortly after that, and then it's just now. Yeah, he's he's in he's in Texas. Um, are you going back to uh, Houston to do something? Because he's in yes, Texas. Yes, they, they just sent me a, 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 a email on Monday saying that they had enough people to do a second class in Houston. So are you in? I thought he was in Dallas, right? Yeah, I'm in Dallas. Yeah. How many hours is Dallas from Houston? I think it's like about four hours. Yeah. Okay. So they are planning a class in Houston in January. So I would contact. Um, uh, I don't want to give her number out over the over the thing, but we ha- we have a, we have a person coordinating the classes now, and she's. Um, um, let me let me give you this email address, K H E M S A. Three 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 at gmail dot com. So you want to go to K H 
E-M-S-A, Kimsa333, at gmail.com. Send me, say, I'm the guy, Jay, who is on the radio program. I'm looking for the Houston-Dallas class. And uh, I'm going to put you in touch with the lady who's coordinating the next Houston class. Now, what, what, what you can do is one of two things. You can try to get into that Houston class. I mean, yeah, in January, or you can try to manifest a class there in Dallas. So, in other words, what we can do is, since I'm going to be in Houston, if we can get a, 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 a small group of people together in Dallas, because I know, is it Dallas right next to Fort Worth? Yes, it is. Yeah. So we had six people in Fort Worth that wanted to take the last class but couldn't get their transportation issues squared away. So I know there's already a following of people in Fort Worth who want to take the class. So I would say if you uh, did a little bit of recruiting down there and you can get six or seven people together, what we can do is do a class for you uh, the week after we do the Houston class. In other words, uh, normally the classes are on the weekend, but you would have to do a class during the week. Mm -hmm. In other words, your class would have to be like uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, something like that, in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when we come back, it will probably be another, maybe we could sneak it in there on a Sunday or something like that. In other words, you would have to do it at the at the downtimes when we're not doing the other class. So what I would do is I would get I would get on the bus or the train or whatever and take the take transportation from uh, Houston and come down to Dallas and uh, figure out some kind of way where we could do it there. I mean, but since I'm going to already be in Houston, then swinging down to Dallas would not be such a big deal since I don't have to actually fly in and fly out. Okay. A big part okay. of the cost of the class is the venue. Is the uh, you know we normally try to have it in a really nice hotel, in a large suite, something like that, some place where people are comfortable. And then the flights these days, you know, to Houston is like four fifty round trip. So it's a major expense. You know, the, the venue for a class like that is usually about twelve hundred dollars, or twelve to fifteen hundred dollars, just to have a place to have the class. And then the, the flight, so it's $2,000 before you even start out, not, not even talking all the other expenses. So, yeah. you know, if you, can, if you can eliminate some of that expense, then you don't have to have as many people in order to break even to do a class. So um, if you had a situation where we're already doing a class in Houston and you can find a place, you know, you've got a smaller group, so we don't need a, a super big hotel room. If we just needed a regular hotel room or somebody somebody had a really nice uh, spot at their house someplace and we just have to do a train ticket, you know, or get a car service to take us from one city to the other, we don't have to spend $500 on the airplane, then we probably could do a class of six or seven people instead of the number that we normally require. Okay. So I know there's six people in the Fort Worth area who signed up for the other class, but they, they their transportation fell through, and you know they just they just couldn't do it because we started we started the class I think it was Friday, and they just couldn't get there in time. So, but I know that they're still interested in taking the class. So I mean, um, I'll put you in touch with this lady, 
and she she can put you in touch with the other people down there in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and uh, see what's up. That's excellent, man. That would that would be a great situation. Yes. Yeah. So it may require a little work on your part, but you know yeah. uh, we can we'll try to do that. And of course, in the meantime, if we get the online class going, then you know we'll have that option also. And we we do expect that's going to happen. Um, and I'll just say this: right now, the online class, the way we have it structured, is it's going to last, you know, a year. You you don't have to pay for it all at once. Uh, the online class is going to be levels one, two, and three. And because we're doing it online, then we don't have to you don't have to wait for enough people to get to level two in your city. Right now, uh you have to have you have to have enough people going through level one. You have to have three or four level one classes before you can get to a level two class and you have to have two or three level two classes before you can have a level three class just to get enough people to go to the next level. But online, you don't have to do that. And the online class is set up a little bit differently. So you have uh, 48 classes in the Grand Trine program when you do it online. So uh, when, you, when you're when doing the face-to-face classes, the let's say the level three component lasts 10 weeks. So you have nine sessions, uh, nine times that you're meeting, and ten different exercises that you have to do outside of class to get to the point where you're ready to do the the sexual ritual to graduate. So you have nine meetings, and each of those meetings is from four to six hours. So you have a certain amount of hours, and we cram a lot of information in there. When you do the online class, the actual time that you spend in class is, is almost twice as long. So let's say, you know, rather than spending 20 hours in class, you're going to spend 40 hours in class. And you're going to cover most of the same material, but in much more detail. And you're also going to cover some material you don't cover in a face-to-face class. So the online class is, is a lot more extensive in terms of the knowledge base. Unfortunately, there are some things that are better translated face-to-face. So we will have to supplement the online classes with some, some workshops and forums where we're in person. Now, with the online class, what we're also going to see is that um, there's, there's going to be a lot more instruction in the projection work because in class people are asking questions and there's a lot of interruptions and we have you have to travel, set up, and do all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, in the online class, you don't have any of that. Basically, I have a nice cute model. She's on the table, and basically I'm showing you the moves. And so then it's up to you to have your model at home. And and if you don't have a model at home, then you can, you know, remember the exercises that I do. And when you do have a model to work on, then you repeat the exercises on your model, on the man or woman that you're working on. And so you cut through a lot of stuff. In other words, whereas in the class I'm waiting for you to get the reaction before I move to the next thing, on the online class, I'm not. I'm just going through it. Therefore, you cover a lot more material. And, uh, and so what happens is, you know, we go over the different positions and many more different variations than we do face-to-face. 
the face to face thing has a has a benefit in that you actually can I'm actually there making sure that you get a reaction. So if you don't get a reaction, then I can correct you right there, which takes the time. But in the online class, if you don't get the right reaction, then you have to send an email to me, and then we'll talk over the phone and work it out. So there are benefits to both, but the online class is, is covers a lot more material and gets because we stretch it out over a much longer period of time. So when you, you start doing the Qigong, where you face-to-face in level two, you've only got six weeks to master the Qigong to get the benefit from the Qigong. In the online class for level two, you know, you've got three months to get the benefit of the Qigong. So you're going to build up a lot more energy, have a lot more impact. So, um, you know, people are going to like one method versus the other, I mean, some people are going to like the online version. Some people are not. And that's, you know, going to be how it is. But um, I think that eventually what we're going to do is we're going to have most people taking some form of the online class and then also taking some face-to-face instruction as well, getting some tutoring. And that's probably going to be the way that's going to be the best. Um, This... this, um, Modality, this model that I've created for levels, and of course they're all levels one through five, but levels four and five can't be done online because of the nature of them. But levels one, two, three, the 48 classes that are that make up that uh, modality, that model, is is probably the most comprehensive model of tantra uh, that's been taught in the last hundred years. I would think anywhere in the world. I'm trying to think of some place where it might be more involved in that, but I doubt that that's the case. I I would like to think that there is, but I haven't heard of one, not yet. Um, and I think that where it may be lacking is that the people who are taking the class have not done the level of work that they've done in some of the other systems. Where Grand Trine may be lacking is that and some of the systems overseas, uh, you know, in places like Thailand, China, whatever, Burma, the people who are involved in the systems have been practicing for 10 years, getting ready, you know, before they get to the point where they're getting that level of instruction. So you've got a, a more dedicated, more prepared student. So he's been doing his Qigong for five years. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. He's been eating this way. He's been doing these meditations. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. And so by the time he gets to that level of instruction at level three, you know, he's been getting ready for seven, seven years, and he's a better student. And they're more, you know, they spend a lot more money, and they spend a lot more time getting ready. But in terms of the the model of instruction itself, I don't think that anything comes close to this these 48 uh, class sessions because we cover so much material that it just dwarfs any other system on this hemisphere, dwarfs it. There's nothing that even comes anywhere, anywhere even close. So, um, you know, putting it together has been a challenge uh, because I did not want to sacrifice the uh, quality of it for the convenience of it. And therefore, you know, we've um uh, you know that we, we you know we 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 we've, we've tried to do it so that it's not a 
budget buster, but at the same time, it had to be priced uh, comparable to the face-to-face classes. And, it, and, it, and you know, of course, the, 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 the Grand Trine prices are going to gradually be going up uh, in commensurate with the value of it. But at the same time, when, you, when you're taking the classes, you know, we wanted to design it in such a way that we try to take you out of this um, old modality of simply looking at things in the old paradigm. So we get into all of these uh, concepts, like the Tower of Tantra, the um, the genital reflexology, the uh, protein carrier molecule technology, the rites of passage technology, all of the different things that we do that basically, um, you know, nobody's ever done anything like that. And so all of these things are new to people. Most people don't, they've never really dealt with anything like that. And therefore it's, you know, um, it just requires a whole other way of looking at it. Um, You know, once you get into level one, and you get through level one, then you are familiar with concepts like the master feminine faculty, the endocrine system, genital reflexology and the genital mat, bioarchitecture and the anatomy of the tower and of the brain, uh, kundalini, you know, the five-organ acupuncture system, uh, the, the genital reflexology and the brain chemistry, you know, um, the types of qigong and the exercises and all that stuff like that, you know, the kidney meridian and stuff like that, sexual magic and things like that. So most people are not familiar with what these things mean. But once you go through level one, then you start to learn the language. That's a big, big, big advantage. By the time you get to level three, then you have this, you have your own tantra language. You have your own tantra, you know, when somebody says brain dendrite pattern, you know what they're talking about. And by the time you get through through the courses, you know, it, it really uh, takes you out of the old paradigm of looking at relationships and sex. And, and, and when you start coming into situations, you don't feel overwhelmed. So we're really, really excited about it. And, uh, I've, you know, I've gone to great lengths to maintain the integrity of the system. And, um, you know, if, if we can just get a break on a few things, and get a few subcontractors to come through for us, then we will get this thing up and running here real soon, and and we'll be off to the races. But I'm gonna, my phone is about to die here, unfortunately, so I'm gonna have to uh, bring this to a close. Uh, are there any other people holding, Kyrie? Uh, no, <clears throat> we're good. Okay, thank you so very I'm much. I'm gonna have to throw this back to you. I don't want my I don't want to just go dead on the air like that. Uh, so I'm gonna to have to throw this back to you, and and you know probably go ahead and just close out. Um, thank you for your question, Jay. I hope I've answered it. Uh, we'll talk some more off the air. I want to say that um, I really appreciate you asking the question because there are so many men out there who have this kind of a question but never ask it. They think that you know. They're the only one. And uh, we're always talking about women's problems and women's trauma, but women are only half the issue. And the reason women are really having so much of an issue is because nobody's talking about the problems that men are having. 
Until we do, the experience of women will improve only a limited amount. So we need to have these conversations because it sounds very depressing in the beginning until you discover that there is a solution. And once you discover that there is a solution, then it changes your whole dynamic because you say to yourself, well, okay, well, all right. Uh, it's no sense in just wallowing around in doubt and, and dismay because, you know, I can't fix this. It's not like AIDS. You get AIDS, that's pretty depressing because you don't see a possible cure. And so, you know, there's a reason to be depressed because that's something that, that it's very hard to get, get a cure for that. But so many other things, that's not the case. And when you talk about, you know, male orgasmic pattern or the lack thereof, erectile dysfunctions and things like that, impotence and things of that nature, it's nothing to get depressed about. You simply need to take action because you can fix it. And I cannot tell you the number of men that have come to me with serious erectile issues who three weeks later were smiling. I cannot tell you the number of men who, you know, who had this kind of an issue and that kind of issue, and one month later they're smiling. I cannot tell you the number of men who have have suppressed bisexual tendencies, that they're attracted to other men. They never acted on it, but they have this attraction, and they don't know what to do with it. And then, you know, you get some counseling, and you figure out what's really going on, and all of a sudden, the problem's gone away, and you're smiling again. I can't tell you the number of men with abusive tendencies. They just want to beat the hell out of somebody, and they 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 just feel anger, and they feel like the slightest little thing, they're going to slap some heifer upside the head. And they're almost afraid to get in relationships because they're afraid of their temper. They're afraid of the fact that whatever. And what triggers this? Normally, it's psychopathic personality structure, the need to be in control. And because they don't understand it, they can't control it. Once they start to understand it, they're like, oh, I understand this now. I understand what's triggering me. I understand why I want to slap the heifer upside the head. I understand where all of this anger is coming from. And then they can go back and uproot it, pull it out of the ground, get that root out, and the anger is not there anymore. The need to control is not so strong. The need to be in control, the need to, to dominate the situation is not there so much. And so then they can have a normal relationship, and the woman can do something to upset them, and they don't feel like they got a slap upside the head. You can't you can't know how many men are haunted by this. You can't know. It's a lot. And they're not getting in relationships, at least not the ones they want to get into, because they're afraid. So with that on that note, we started talking about uh aphrodisiacs and toe sucking. <laughs> <laughs> and sexual toys. <laughs> they got all turned around. And we ended up talking about something totally different. But it was a good thing. And and I say it's Kyrie's fault. It, it always is. It's never my fault. <laughs> so I can always blame stuff on Kyrie because he'll let me. But, um, you know, it was a great show. Um, I'm going to 
throw this ball back to the coach. And um, I just, you know, I just want to say we want to have pleasure in our life. We want to become the highest and best version that we can. And so for the right now, a lot of people are going through it. So for the next two or three weeks, remember, give pleasure. Give people a break. Open yourself to receive pleasure. Take the first step into becoming a higher and better version of you. And on that note, I'll say good night. Back at you, Coach. All right, yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, Jay, thanks a lot for calling in down there in, um, in the big TX. And we definitely appreciate everyone who called in listening tonight to the Tower of Tantra show. Uh, big shout out to all all the people who tune in for first timers. We do um, appreciate you taking the time. I know a lot of the conversation might have went over your head, um, especially if you came in on the show late. You probably missed the beginning of it, but we went to a lot of um, we cover a very broad spectrum, and sometimes this particular information can seem overwhelming to some people. But you just take it just like you're eating grapes. You know, you just eat it one bite at a time, and then you get through it. Um, we all all have different experiences and, and different levels of understanding, and we're all in this as a family together in order to take this art of Tantra and make it our own, each one of us practicing it individually as we move on to freedom. Remember, Tantra is about freedom, freedom, freedom freedom to do, to have, to be, to say, to activate without all the rigmaroles of societies or religious dogmas. It's all about the freedom, all right, and managing this internal power that we have, this internal energy. Um, I love it that the women are, are always have loved that about women are tantric by nature. I would definitely would have preferred if we had some more ladies giving us some calls in the night, <laughs> but... Hopefully next week we'll be tuning in to Zoom in. I want to remind everyone that we are. I'm also having a Goddess Tai Chi and self-protection classes each and every Wednesday and Friday night at the I Am Ascension Center in the West End, second floor above Tassili's Raw Food. And we're having some fun up there. Come learn to meditate. Um, yes, and you will be taught some weight management systems going to knock some pounds off of you. That's what you so desire, but we're going to show you how to protect yourself, some conflict resolution techniques, some meditation techniques, and also we're going to be having a lot of fun. Uh, I am working on having an event December 21st, 2012. A lot of people have been looking at um, that event saying, Kair, what do you got planned? And I'm saying, well, I'm down here in Atlanta. I think I may do something up here at Stone Mountain. So I've been doing some research looking at the dates, looking at the heavens and seeing how everything's going to be lined up. And I think that may be where we're leaning. Please stay tuned in to Zoom in. Check out the website, relaxationisthekey.com, for updates. You can also catch me at coachkair.com. And if you need to get an appointment for any of the services that I offer, just please check out coachkappointments.com, and we'll get that set up. I'm also having a special. I don't know if anybody saw me post this on Facebook, but for the rest of the year, 
I'm doing all my half hour and one hour appointments at 50% off, and I'm doing $50 off my two hour appointments. So, if you got any contact that you need to, questions that you need to ask, just get in contact with me, 910-375-WELL. 910-375-WELL, as in wellness. I'm going to take us out tonight on some prosperity gospel. One of my big homies. Uh, money, uh, I'm not going to do that one. We want you to get your mind right. So we're going to, tonight, we want to talk about magnetizing. Uh, I don't know. I, got, I want to hear magnetizing your mind or spiritual excellence. Ah. Uh, I'm going to put it in tonight on magnetizing your mind. All right? Now, I'll see you all Tuesday night. Please tune in to Zoom in at the Abundance Child Network as well on Sunday night at 8 o'clock for the Cosmophysics show each and every Sunday at 8 o'clock. Tuesday night is Symptometry Night at 8 p.m. You can check out all the downloads at symptometrybooks.com, symptometrybooks, S-Y-M-P-T-O-M-E-T-R-Y books.com. Um, we got some great stocking stuffers over there for you. Please don't hesitate. Pass the health care around. Pass the healing around. Pass the love around. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Now, in this particular session, we are going to talk about making your mind a money magnet to draw unto you good health, happiness, Love, success, prosperity, and money. Some of you are saying, well, Reverend Ike, I thought you came just to talk about money. The fact of the matter is, in life, we're always dealing with certain principles that work the same with everything. And the same principle of the psychology of money that draws money to you will also draw to you and help you to create for yourself and others good health, joy, success, prosperity, and money. It works the same for everything. Now, here is the money magnet idea. In becoming a master of money, you must make your mind a money magnet. Let me hear you say, I make my mind a money magnet. I make my mind a money Now this time say it with some joy. Come on. I make my mind a money magnet. And I'm so glad that this is a happy bunch of people here today. Because here's something else about money. Money loves happy people. <laughs> yeah, but I hear somebody say, yes, but Reverend Ike, I know some people who have money, but they are miserable. Well, I'm sure that is the case. But if you're going to be miserable, it is better to have money with your misery than no money with your misery.
even misery goes better with money. But to be miserable and not have money, that's a bummer. <laughs> Let me hear you say that's a bummer. So let's not knock money. Because if you knock money in any kind of way, that is a psychology that demagnetizes you in terms of creating and drawing money. And you see, people are always doing things which either magnetize them to create and to draw the things that they desire, or they are demagnetizing themselves. As a matter of fact, I've discovered that people actually kick money away from them with their mind, with their thoughts, with their feelings. Well, not that anybody here would do a thing like that. <laughs> but unfortunately, much of this is done subconsciously. And I'm going to tell you something that I want to tell you before these sessions are over. You must remind me. The last time I told a group this, they wouldn't let me off the stage until I told them. And it's this. There is, a, there is an N-word, a never word that you should never say about money, that you should never make reference to money with. And yet, everybody says this one in word about money. Bankers use it. Preachers use it. When I tell you what it is, you're going to find out that you've been using it too. And you're going to have to get this. Oh, I'm teasing you, am I not? <laughs> oh, I want to know what it is. I'll tell you end of the session. That's so you don't sneak out at the coffee break. <laughs> because this word is one of the most demagnetizing terms concerning money that you can put into your mind. You see, ladies and gentlemen, every mind is a magnet. Every mind is a magnet. There's no avoiding that. That is what the ancient philosophers called the law of the Lord. And the ancient philosophers also said, the Lord of the law is no respecter of persons. The law of mind works for everybody. It doesn't matter what your race your creed are your color makers. Your mind is a magnet. 